As Christians, we are called to lovingly enter into conversations about our Savior with neighbors and those we meet in our daily life. It might be the person behind us at a coffee shop, someone we meet on a flight across the country, or a family member or friend. The call to shine the light of Christ allows us to share his love with those who desperately need to hear the news that the sweet life-transforming gospel is given from God to them. We do this because God loved us first. Reverend Dr. Alfonso Espinosa's new book, Faith That Engages the Culture, will help us learn how to speak with the people God puts in our life and share the life-saving Word of God with them. Join us today as I visit with Reverend Espinosa. He's the pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California, serves as the vice chair on the board for national mission of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. And his bio says his most cherished service is being husband to his wife, Tracy, and a father and a grandfather. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss today's program. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Family Shield. Dear Kay, thank you for having me, and thank you for the wonderful ministry that you have been conducting through Family Shield Ministries. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, tell us first why you wrote this book. Burden on my heart for many, many years. Um, When I was an undergraduate at Concordia University, Irvine, I was trained in an extensive evangelism, dialogue evangelism. It was very, very thorough. It was a a quality material, substantive. It was biblical. Uh, It was full of uh, learning illustrations and uh, really, um, again, just just meaty. And I enjoyed it. It uh, it was great. However, um, it it came along with a presupposition, Kay, that if you're going to uh, share the evangel, the gospel of Christ, it gave the impression that you really had to memorize a lot, you had to get an outline down, you had to uh, have other tools ready at hand if you were going to be effective and really be used by the Holy Spirit to do a good job to share the Christian faith. I went out, and in my early days as a pastor, began to teach people who were interested in being equipped in evangelism this very approach. At the end of the day, I found myself perpetuating this idea that, you know, evangelism is really just for those who are gifted and able to really dig deep into these elaborate presentations for the gospel. And as time was going on, Kay really saw in the Church this idea of people being intimidated Mm. and afraid. It was on my heart to really do the work to look at how simple sharing the faith can be, And this was kind of the impetus towards writing faith that engages the culture. That is so interesting because I used, I trained in dialogue evangelism and I I did training for many years because I too felt um, it was only for those that had the gift of evangelism. But uh, thank you so much for that. Well, it's a great book. In the beginning, you talk about, you have an introduction, what does this mean? And in that, you kind of define each of the words of the book, Faith That Engages the Culture. Tell us just briefly uh, about the name of your book and what you share in the introduction. Uh, Really important to understand that faith is a gift from God. Um, 
in our Lutheran confessions, uh, biblical theology, we understand clearly that God creates faith through His Word. Um, so whatever we do um, at the get-go in sharing the faith and being His witnesses, we know that we're going to be sharing something specifically, and that is the message of God's Word, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through that Word, the Holy Spirit works to create faith in the one who hears it when and where he pleases. Uh, so that word faith uh, in the book title really kind of harkens back to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. Okay, then uh, engages. What we're trying to get at here, Kay, is that witnessing is not about getting on our soapbox and preaching to somebody or talking down to somebody, nor is it this programmatic thing where we're kind of selling something. Because all of these ideas really present witnessing as a one-sided idea. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, it kind of assumes that the Christian is the one delivering the goods, and then we kind of hope for the best. Engages is not like that. Engaging is when we anticipate in joining in a real relational dynamic. We want to love people. We want to befriend people. We want to do at least as much listening if not more than what we are saying, so that we get into the shoes of the person we're talking to. We're not behaving as if we have an agenda. We are rather genuinely loving the other person and engaging in a back-and-forth exchange that is engaging. The culture is important because, as Christians, not only are we being considerate of the visible aspects around us that affect our communication, the things happening in the world, but we're also sensitive to the culture from a spiritual perspective of the invisible, of invisible forces that can try to hinder our witness and our engaging with other people. So chapter one, you uh, explain the organizing matrix that you have, and it's, it's an engagement triangle, and there are three Ps. Just explain a little bit more, first of all, about perspective. So in wanting to have a simplified approach that was biblical, in this on this equilateral triangle, on the very top point is the first P, as you said, called perspective. We want to go forth with God's perspective. And so in, in examining the scriptures, we do see a particular Bible verse, um, and that Bible verse is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, that gives us God's perspective about engagement and witnessing. And in that scripture, we are commanded to set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts. The Lord is holy in our hearts. And we are always prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that is within us and to do it in such a way as to show gentleness and respect. This perspective gives us how we go forth. The first step, according to the first part of 1 Peter 3.15, is not even in front of another person. It's between us and God. And living in holiness, adoring the Lord, walking in faith, worshiping Him in spirit and truth, is so important because then we understand that 
it's not just about what we say to someone, but it's it's how we're living. And if people see that Christians are different, not in such a way as to be braggarts or to think we're holier than thou, not at all, but the way they cope with the pressures and stressors of life, Christians always have hope. And that positive witness makes a dynamic of being attracted to the Christian who has hope. And at about that point, very often, people will often inquire, or at least be curious, even if they don't ask a direct question, you can sense an openness. Mm -hmm. Then we go to part two of 1 Peter 3.15. That is when we give the answer. And here, Kay, I've had a a lot of training in Christian apologetics. Apologetics can be presented as something that is based on logic and rational argument and rhetoric and philosophy, and people go, oh, well, I can't do that. You have to leave that to the experts. But the basic meaning of the word to give an answer is to give a testimony of truth, Mm -hmm. a simple statement of what is true. God loves you because of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And then the very last part, Kay, is we do it with gentleness and respect. We're not being argumentative, but we're loving people. I love that verse. It's one of my favorites. Uh, So that's perspective. The Word of God teaches us how to see engagement for the gospel. Then the second uh, part of the uh, organizing matrix, the engagement triangle, is P for people. Tell us what you mean by that. You go down that right side of that equilateral triangle to the second point, which is people. Now we really want to focus on the fact we have a unique individual in front of us, someone that God loves just as much as he loves us, someone for whom Jesus Christ died for and shed his blood for to cover their sins, just like ours, and someone the Holy Spirit wants to touch to bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. The main scripture we refer to and study carefully in the book for people is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, And I'm going to zero in here, especially in verse 22 for our talk today. Paul shares his missionary strategy, so to speak. He says, I have become all things to all men that I may may save some by all possible means. And this is a wonderful way of saying that the Christian's goal should be to love someone and listen, actively listen, and really observe and really understand the person standing in front of them. And our goal all the while is to get into their shoes, to know where they're coming from. What is their life about? What's their history? How do they think? How have they been affected by life? What's their experience? How can I find common ground with this person? And when we do that, first of all, we're demonstrating that we care about the person, that they're not just someone, you know, to add to our notch of evangelistic work, but someone we truly care about. You know the old saying that a person won't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is what we're doing on this second point on the engagement triangle for people. And also to know ourselves, So that uh, we, you know, to know what maybe would be our hot buttons that might not be the best people to witness to, but also to care. You know, we have to really care for those people 
And sometimes that means we pray about it. We ask God to help us through maybe the sin that's there is causes us grave concern. But we don't want the sin to block our opportunities to share the message of God's love through Christ. Amen. This is a major point in the book. I'm so glad you brought it up, because when we say people, you're right, it's not just the person in front of us, it's knowing ourselves, because we carry around baggage. And we have, in our sinful nature, we, we make presuppositions about people, whether they're people of different nationalities or different lifestyles or whatever. And if we don't know ourselves and know how we sometimes wrongly react, we can really cut off the engagement before it gets started. We sure can, yes. I want to make a few announcements, and then we'll come back to talk about the third part of that triangle, which is the place. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on more than 50 radio stations throughout the United States. We also produce a weekly podcast that you can subscribe to. Reverend Espinosa's publisher, Concordia Publishing House, has donated three of his books to us for a special drawing. If you're interested in receiving one of those books, sign up by calling our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or you can email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Make sure to submit your complete name and physical address. The names will be drawn two weeks after the program airs, and the three people selected will receive that book through the mail. Uh, The book can also be purchased through Concordia Publishing House at www.cph.org or on Amazon. Today, we're also giving away uh, Family Shield's new booklet, Sharing Your Faith in Daily Life, to everyone who calls and requests it. You can get that complimentary uh, booklet by, again, calling our response center, same number as above, 877-250-8416. We encourage you to pray for us and consider a gift to support Family Shield. Send your gift to Family Shield, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. You can also charge a gift on our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Now I want to go back to my guest, Reverend Alfonso Espinosa, and his wonderful book, Faith that engages the culture. Uh, we were in the. We were just going to begin that third uh, part of the triangle, the engagement triangle, the place, understanding the cultural impact upon engagement. Tell us more about that. Amen. Yeah, this uh, third point on the engagement triangle is absolutely crucial to take into consideration in the book. Um, I go to Scripture once again, and uh, this time we expand upon uh, Acts chapter 17, when St. Paul is in Athens, and um, as he is in Athens, he interacts, uh, among other people, with the Athenians, who meet at the Areopagus to debate, to hold uh, court hearings, and to do other rather important Um, processes for the culture and running the culture, the society there as the leaders in Athens. 
And uh, what happens is this, uh, we, we receive this veritable how to consider the culture in Acts chapter 17. When Paul spends time with the Athenians, um, he starts off, and this is very fascinating, by, by proclaiming to them that he observed and sees that they are very religious. And to understand that Paul is in no way, shape, or form insulting the Athenians, of course, that's the last thing you want to do when you start a dialogue to engage for the gospel, uh, nor, nor is he flattering. Uh, he is saying something that is, in fact, true. And this is an example, going back to the second point uh, regarding becoming all things of all men, he's looking for some genuine connections. Mm-hmm. So now he goes to the culture to look for those connections, and he goes into the Areopagus, and he, he sees many um, altars and symbols dedicated to the gods of their polytheistic worldview. What can he say in a positive way about this situation? Well, what he said was, again, I see that you are very religious, so they are seekers. They want to know more about life. They want to discover truth. And Paul shares this in common with them. So this is a very positive thing to say based on his observations of the culture. And he goes a step further. He also, in speaking to them, does not jump into Christology about Jesus Christ, the unique uh, and revealed mystery and revelation of the gospel, God taking on flesh in the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather begins with the discussion and the article of our faith called creation, because even the Greeks were very interested about origins. So he begins the discussion with something they can relate to. And while he does this, he also considers their culture by quoting sources they were familiar with. Mm. He actually quotes their poets. Mm. <laughs> and so there's all these connections nice. that he's making yeah. in the unique culture. I loved it. I reread that a couple times, and uh, uh, I loved it because they they did figure out, they said they thought he was speaking of foreign gods, and what he was doing is telling them about Jesus and saying they would come back to life. And uh, and they were like, oh, let, let, we want to learn some yeah. more about this. And then at the very end, the outcome was so great because some of the men joined him and became believers. That's, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> it's just so interesting to read God's Word and um, and see, because that's a great learning tool. Um, just what you said, the co- find the connection. What would be a common thing for us to talk about? Wonderful, wonderful information. All right. Well, there's so much more to share. Um, one of the, you ha- one of the things I liked about your book is after each chapter you have some questions, and uh, let me just ask one of the questions that was behind the chapter one. The top of the engagement triangle is the Word of God. What are the two themes, two ways, or two basic messages of God's Word? Uh, talk about law and gospel. Yeah, so we, we, we need the, the two ways, or the two messages, or two themes, law and gospel, very well known among Lutheran Christians. We need the law because uh, until a person realizes they have a need, uh, or have a problem, <laughs> they're not going to be solu- they're not going to be interested in the solution mm-hmm. or um, the medicine, so to speak, of their illness. So the law, of course, convicts a person of the problem of sin. 
uh, so, so important. Romans 3.20 says that no one will be declared righteous in the sight of God by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Now, on this point, Kay, and I will get to the second part in just a second, but in the book we make a very, very important um, analysis in that uh, one of the problems today that Christians can find themselves in is they spend too much time obsessing about actual or particular sins, ethical sins, moral sins. Now, we're not saying it isn't important to know those, and, and of course it's important to maintain the truth of God's Word that identifies sin as sin. However, what often happens in our culture is Christians are tempted to get on a high horse mm-hmm. and start, start moralizing mm-hmm. against particular sins. Well, in John chapter 4, we have the example of Jesus interacting with the the woman in Samaria. And first thing he does (laughs) is he establishes common ground by talking about water. Mm. They're by a well. They're talking about real water, something we can talk to other people about. (laughs) And then he starts to talk about spiritual water, his eternal water. The second step, he does indeed acknowledge the particular sin violation of the Sixth Commandment. However, He does not obsess about it and gets to the greater need, the core sin that the law reveals, our need to know the true God, um, where to truly worship the true God. That's what law does. It makes people aware that they have a need, and everyone knows it deep down inside, but it clarifies it. Then we go to the second way or the second message or second theme, and that's gospel. And the gospel is God's way of addressing our need. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And here we share with the people, as you're sharing good news or gospel, that's what gospel means, of course, good news or glad tidings, there are three basic gospel questions and gospel answers that we can share with people. And the first question is, when Jesus came, uh, whose sins did he come to die for? Answer, everybody's. (laughs) Uh, Second question, when Jesus died for sins, how many sins did he pay for? Answer, all of them. Third question, which one of your sins did he forget to pay for? Answer, none of them. (laughs) And this is a great way of sharing the gospel. That's a very simple way of sharing the gospel. It's amazing to me, and I just want to say to our listeners, Jesus Christ suffered and died for all of your sins, all of you that are listening, Even if you are not a believer in Jesus, even if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, his death, suffering death and resurrection, covered your sin. You give him your sins and he gives you back his righteousness. Isn't that good news to share? And I know some of our listeners listen just because they like to listen and they they write us and they, they email us and they tell us, well, I'm not really a believer. And we encourage them to place their faith in Christ and find a good Christian congregation, for sure. But law and gospel is so important. Yes, people do need to know they are sinners. And I just think almost everybody knows (laughs) they're not perfect. They know they're sinners. But uh, I love that. I love that you're saying don't obsess over the sin. Just move to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, we have two minutes left, and I was going to—so I wanted to ask you toward the end to talk just briefly about 
one of the stories in your book in Chapter 3 about Austin. Do you think you can do that in two minutes? <laughs> sure. All right. Sorry well, about I that. Was, it's a very oh, wonderful no story. Yeah, do that. No, yep. I'm glad to. Well, yeah, we're elaborating on that last P of, of culture, and uh, I was sharing an example that the technology and culture uh, sometimes can be a great way of uh, the culture being a springboard for sharing Jesus with people. And so I shared the story with Austin, and uh, he was at the last stage of AIDS, and he was dying. Um, and it, he was uh, terribly isolated uh, when he was engaging in the lifestyle uh, that led to uh, his acquiring AIDS uh, as a homosexual man. He, um, he got AIDS and felt very isolated. Uh, people that he thought were there for him, who loved him and cared about him, weren't there anymore. And so he found himself in this very lonely situation of suffering. Uh, not only was his body severely deteriorating, but he had this terrible emotional and relational isolation going on. He was desperate as he was dying and felt alone. Someone who knew him reached out to me and said, I, I think that he could really use talking to a pastor, but uh, he doesn't want anyone to see him. He's too self-conscious. And so um, I agreed to reach out to him literally uh, via email. We started a back and forth, first getting to know each other, building trust, literally becoming friends. Uh, my practicing what First Peter 3.15 says, um, going forward with great gentleness, towards this wonderful man that God loved and loves. And in time, going back and forth, and he had this medium now where he could really start to open up about his feelings and his doubts and his loneliness and his guilt and his shame. Um, I was able to listen. I was able to validate the importance of what he was going through. And then I was able to come back and write and elaborate upon the wonderful saving gospel of Jesus Christ for him, and did what you just finished saying a little while ago, Okay, You, in uh, speaking to your listeners, you were summarizing the, the gospel in terms of something that we refer to as a joyous mm. or the wonderful exchange right. that the guilty one, uh, all of us, um, we got to give the innocent one, Jesus, our sins, our guilt. And the innocent one, Jesus Christ, gave to us his righteousness and holiness and gladly conducted that exchange for Austin and for all of us. And Kay, by the grace of God, Austin came to confessing, saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, to, and told me through writing that he now had hope mm. and confidence and knew he was not alone oh, because God was fantastic. for him through Christ. Thank you so much for sharing that message. Uh, our time is up. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. My guest has been Reverend Alfonso Espinosa, his book, Faith That Engages the Culture. We hope that you will uh, continue listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, God bless your day. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.